This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Hey listeners, I'm Vanessa, the host of the Unseminary Podcast, where we talk about the stuff you wish they taught in seminary. I'm joined by the founder of Unseminary, Rich Birch. Hi Rich, how are you? Oh, I'm super excited to be here today. We're talking multi-site church all month long, and I'm super pumped about today's article, which is called Six Mistakes That Churches Who Are Launching Multi-Site Campuses in 2020, You Need to Avoid These Things. So uh, super excited about this. We're trying to help people avoid some mistakes today. Uh, When was the last time you made a mistake, Rich? Well, you know, last week was my anniversary, and I feel like I probably should not talk about those mistakes, but uh, (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 23 years, Christine and I have been married, which is a very long time. Uh, I had a a dear friend of ours, uh, who's Edna, is her name. She is in her 80s. I think it's a bit unpolite to ask a woman how old she is, but I would guess she's in her 80s. And she said, how is it that you can be married 23 years where you don't even look a day over 30? And I was like, oh, that's so nice of you, Edna. Um, so, so yeah, sweet. I don't know. I can't, can't think of any, I've made lots of mistakes in the multi-site world. That is for sure. And so part of that's what we're really talking about today, trying to dive in, trying to help churches avoid a few things, uh, as they're thinking about launching new locations in the next year or so. Awesome. I'm excited to learn about some mistakes not to make. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So, you know, and there's a lot of, this is a time of year where a lot of churches are really trying to nail down next year and uh, really thinking about, hey, what's coming up. And so what we're talking about here really are really two churches that are thinking about it. Even if you're just considering it, I want to help you avoid those. In fact, we've talked about this in the past. I've been in the driver's seat of uh, the launch of 13 different campuses, recruited, you know, about 1,500 volunteers. Those campuses today, we see about 9,000 people attending. Why do I say all that? Not because I'm trying to brag, but to say to you, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done things that I do not want you to do. I want, I want you to avoid them. Uh, and so that's really what today's article is about. I'm trying to, you know, we've already paid the stupid tax as the, as the uh, kingdom. <laughs> and so I don't want you to have to pay that. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about some of these mistakes. Awesome. Well, let's start with talking about small launch teams. Yeah, so the greatest success factor in launching uh, your campus, the thing that, you know, churches have asked me this over the years, like, what is the thing that, uh, you know, kind of makes campuses work or not? Really, the greatest success factor is the size and health of your volunteer core team. Really, the questions you need to be asking are, you know, does the campus pastor who you're, you know, you're drawing in for this new launch, are they the kind of people that have built large volunteer teams before? Every factor that we think about launch uh, really needs to lean back towards, is this a large and healthy launch core? So even like the location, are we picking our location in such a way that'll help us get a large and healthy launch core? You know, are, what kind of programs are we doing? Is that the kind of thing that we either help or hinder us and our ability to build strong and large uh, core teams? So really, you know, it all is about this thing. Now, that is, um, you know, that's a little bit counterintuitive. I think some people, uh, you know, think other stuff, maybe like campus pastors or other issues are the the biggest deal, but they're not really the biggest uh, success factor is, I can't say success today for some reason, <laughs> success factor uh, is is this large launch teams. And so the mistake you'll make is, is, is making them too small. Now, you might say, what is too small? You know, on average, we're seeing, according to research by Leadership Network, that the average multi-site church is launching with 75 folks in them. I would say you need to launch larger than that. My experience has been you need to launch somewhere around 150 to 200. Uh, but 
we could talk more about that. But that would be uh, the biggest mistake is too small of a launch team. Have Where do you stand with um, if your new campus is going to be within a 30 to 45 minute uh, radius of where your current building is, essentially borrowing volunteers from there to help launch? Is that something that um, listeners should avoid or is that something to consider? Where do you no, you absolutely that? want to do that. You want to build your process around hiving off people from your existing locations uh, and sending them to a new location. Now, interestingly, we're seeing uh, the vast majority of campuses are found within a 30-minute drive of existing uh, locations. And so it's high 90s, 95% uh, of all campuses are found within that drive time. And, and so that's actually you know a part of what's what drives multi-site campus expansion long-term is this idea of hiving volunteers off from one location and dropping them into new to just go and take uh, you know a campus pastor into a new location where you don't have people that's fine to do but that's just called church planting it's it's something different it has a different uh feel to it so absolutely you want to be doing that awesome all right well let's talk about our second point unclear responsibility lines Oh, great. So, uh, you know, when you're launching a new campus, there seems to be this, you know, question that comes up all the time, which is who is responsible for what? You know, who, who's responsible? Who is, you know, when you talk about your kind of staff, who's responsible to make things happen? And we've talked about this and other things in the past, this idea of dotted lines and solid lines. You know, when, mm. uh, you know, typically in a kind of broad sense, uh, mostly what we're seeing a best practice in most multi-site churches is that campus teams, those staff that are in and volunteers that are associated with the local location are responsible for relationships and execution, while the central team, those people who are, who are um, responsible for, you know, making, those people are responsible for curriculum and training. So they're responsible for like, hey, where are we going? What are we actually doing? So, uh, and in fact, in a recent Leadership Network study that just came out, found that 77% of multi-site churches uh, say that their model is more centralized rather than decentralized. So what does that mean? That means that there is more more kind of direction coming from the central leadership core than from the campuses. Now, this is an important distinction to wrestle with. Uh, and really the point, and although you can do it both ways, the point of what I'm trying to make here is that when you launch a new location, if you have unclear responsibility lines, if you do not tell your campus teams or be really clear with your campus teams that your job is to build relationships with people and, and to execute, and the, and the central team, they're responsible for uh, this whole idea of developing curriculum and developing systems, developing kind of what we're doing, uh, then, you know, you'll get into all kinds of problems. You'll have people stepping on each other's toes. So uh, we need to work hard to ensure that we have clear responsibility lines. I feel like our next point is something that could be quite obvious, but maybe not a poor site selection. Yeah. So uh, it's, this is going to sound like the most kind of consultanty kind of language ever. We do see uh, when people pick locations, uh, they... Uh, they make really one of two mistakes, and the two general mistakes are they either are too close to existing campuses or they are too far from existing campuses, which is not very helpful. <laughs> but what you want to do is make sure that your campuses are cl close enough to your existing locations that you're hiving off, again, back to our first point, hiving off a large enough volunteer core that, that they're close enough that you're able to find that 150 to 200 volunteers that are going to go to the new location, but they're 
you're far enough away that you're reaching a new uh, market, for lack of a better word. You're reaching into a new <coughs> group of people. And so there's a balance there. It, it is generally, ironically, a lot of times we see that somewhere at that half an hour radius seems to be a magic uh, number. There's something about, and uh, we've in the past had, we've talked about this idea of yeah. Marchetti's constant, this idea that people only drive half an hour uh, for their commute. And so there seems to be something around that 30 minute mark. So my advice, my, uh, you know, kind of coaching to churches is to start at, let's look at a ring around your existing campus of 30 minutes. And let's look for locations that are 30 minutes away um, on a Sunday morning drive time. What, 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 what is around there? How many people do you have in those areas? Let's start with that as from a site selection point of view. All right. Well, let's talk about a lack of clarity on what to multiply. Yeah. So there are a lot of different things that you could send to the new location. You know, typically when you're, um, you know, when you're launching out, uh, there's this pressure when you go from, particularly if you're starting, you go from one location to two. You think that everything you're doing at your first location is the most important stuff ever. You think like, oh man, like we need to make sure we do everything here at that location. Let me help you avoid some serious pain here, friends. So when uh, I was at, uh, involved in a church earlier in my leadership, uh, life and we had a kind of high end locations we were renting from and incredible locations and, um, we said, you know, that's critically important or the leadership at the time is actually right before I, I came on team on the team. Uh, we said, Hey, it's really important for us to replicate into those kinds of locations, high end, super expensive, nice places to rent. Now we did that Our second location, first campus, amazing location. Uh, but very quickly we found ourselves that we were actually losing $10,000 a week. If you can believe that, uh, because of two things, one, our site costs were so high. We were, we were assuming that the same growth was going to happen at our second campus as uh, happened at our first. And that we're again, not statistically, according to the most recent research that we're finding from leadership network, that that just isn't happening. That, uh, that really the first campus is, uh, still we're seeing that as the largest location. And so it's not like you're going to necessarily replicate that in this new location. And so you've got to work carefully on site selection from a, uh, you know, from a, a cost replication point of view. For us, what we were doing is we thought that we had to have the kind of fanciest location. But in the end, actually, what we needed to know is actually there is a bare minimum where there's something about the, ni- the niceness of the location, but it didn't need to be a direct replica. The same on the staffing side. We replicated some staff, frankly, to this new location that we did not need to replicate, um, you know, down, you know, which ended up driving up our costs. So getting clarity on that, you know, a a quick way to do this is to get out and talk to people at your existing campus and ask the question uh, to your people. You say, hey, what reasons do our people give their friends about why they should come to our church? So actually get out and ask people, hey, what is it? Why? What do you say when you say to your friends, you should come to our church? And you need to start there. Those things need to be very well replicated. Uh, But, you know, there's lots of other stuff we can let off the table. There's an activity here called the IPO, uh, which you go through everything that you do at, at your church and you identify it as either initial, meaning we need to do it. If we don't do it, we're not our church. Priority, something we can start within the next year. And then optional, this idea of like, mm, it's okay if we don't do it. And you need to have things in every category. So a mistake you can make, lack of clarity on what to multiply, you frankly will multiply too much if you don't think clearly around what it is that we want to send to the new location. 
Oh, that's really smart. All right, let's talk about failure to build a launch system. I feel like that really ties into what we were just talking about. Yeah, so according to the most recent research from Leadership Network that, again, literally just came out in the last month, uh, they're finding, and this is persistent, this is actually now, this this trend has stuck for the last two reports, uh, that just over half of multi-site con- congregations or churches uh, have reported uh, just two or three locations. So what we're finding is that multi-site churches are launching a location or two and then getting stuck. They, they're pulling back from launching more. Now, I think this is a crime. This is terrible because mm-hmm. I hear so many church leaders when they first get into multi-site, what they say is something like, you know, I would, we're, we're hoping to have a campus in every county, or they'll say, you know, <laughs> we want to have a location within 15 minutes of everybody in our, you know, insert Metroplex or in, insert the greater, you know, the greater Vancouver area or, you know, within everyone in the Chicagoland area, that sort of thing. But that's not what we're actually finding. What we're finding is that people are launching a campus or two and then stopping. Now, I think the reason why this is, is they're not building a launch system. What they're doing is launching campuses. They're not building a system for launching campuses. They're not stepping back and say, okay, how do we launch this first one or second one in such a way that we can launch more down the road? How how are we documenting this process in such a way so that uh, it's easy for us to keep you know, doing this time and again, how are we learning from this process so that, uh, we, you know, learn what worked, what didn't work? How are we analyzing what happens? So then, uh, you know, we can launch more down the road and I, you know, people I've been a part of, um, you know, I talked about this earlier, it was a part of uh, 13 campus launches, but actually today those churches combined, uh, have over 30 campuses. Why is that? Well, because they, uh, the, the churches that I was a part of have gone on to launch more campuses beyond the time I've been there because a part of what we try to do is install launch system. This is the way that you launch a campus. So a mistake you could make is if you particularly are just, this is your first campus you're launching in 2020 is you just launch it, but you don't step back and say, Hey, how do we do this in such a way that we ensure that we document this process so that uh, we can look at more campuses in 2021 and 2022 and 2023 and, and beyond. Yeah, like, and I'm, I imagine too that even if you are launching your 25th campus, there's still something to learn about that process, right? It's going to look different than when you launched your third campus to your sure. 25th, but there's still a lesson to be learned to like still go back and debrief on it and say what worked, what didn't work, and what can we adapt for the future. Is that? Absolutely. We, yeah, we have to always be um, saying like, okay, this is how we launch. And then how do we adjust every time? What are we learning through this process? What what worked? What didn't work? You know, how, how are the things that how, what was true in the last launch that was true this time? What are the things we need to do different? You know, what was good about this launch? What was bad? What was missing? What was confusing? How do we, uh, you know, do this better in the future for sure? But even that, you know, even the idea of installing a like, hey, this is the time we stop and evaluate the launch, <laughs> uh, you'd be amazed how many churches don't do that. They don't have a checklist somewhere that says, and now this is the time where we stop and evaluate, is this working? What's that process? Like what from, are you meeting frequently throughout the launch to say what is working right now and try and forecast maybe what won't work? Or do you just wait until you're six months in and say, okay, now we're six months into launching this campus. Let's go back and evaluate everything that happened. How does that timeline 
coincide with with the actual launch itself? Yeah, great question. So I do think um, a part of this is an is a metrics issue that as we're okay. going through launch, it's even just documenting. Okay, how many people do we have on our interest list? Those people who would say that they're interested in the new location, mm-hmm. and then how many do we think uh, for the first one? It's a little bit of a guess. You're like, what do we think the ratio between the interest list and the total number of volunteers will be when we actually launch? Well, the amazing thing is when we go to launch our second campus, if we've tracked all that data through the first time, we then can look and say, oh, like for the, the, the last campus, at this point, we had 100 people on our interest list and you know we ended up with 75 volunteers. But this current campus from the, uh, this far out, we have 250 people on our interest list. Wow, things seem to be going better. What is it that we're doing this time around that's that's enabling us to get more people on the interest list. And then what does that mean for our launch? How do we adjust or going the other way? Like, let's say last time we had 250 at this point, this number of months out, but now we only have 75. I would say, Hey, we got to ring the bell and say, Oh, we've got to change something about launch because if we just follow the same dynamics of what we've learned in the past, uh, we're headed for, you know, not a great launch. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's looking at metrics. It's looking at, um, you know, understanding, you know, our volunteer core, how is that growing throughout the entire process? It's understanding, kind of the the rhythm of launch kind of the the drive behind um you know all the various elements working together you know this number of months out we had our facility nailed down this number of months out we had our first first meetings that kind of thing so yeah i think you do evaluate throughout the entire process you know you have like a monthly conversation around hey how are we tracking versus uh the last launch that sort of thing Smart. All right. Well, and let's talk about our last point, forgetting the vision. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So this is, you know, I love Simon Sinek's uh, Start With Why. One of the kind of pet peeves of multi-site churches uh, to me is, um, I think we went through this phase where you go on a lot of church websites and you see, again, I'm a church leadership wonk, love talking to churches, love learning from churches. You go on to church um, leadership, you go on church websites, and a lot of times you'll see them, like say, right in big letters on the front of their their uh, their website, like, we are a multi-site church, or we're one church in many locations. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not sure that's why you do multi-site. You're not doing multi-site because you want to go into multiple locations. Multi-site is just a tool for your mission. It's not the mission itself. Uh, we go multi-site because in our case, at our church, we would say, hey, multi-site is a tool for us to create churches that unchurched people love to attend. We know that there are people who will not drive beyond 15, 20 minutes to come to one of our locations. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take the church to them. So it's important that we need to you know, consistently come back to multi-site is just a tool for accomplishing our larger mission. Now, it's an important step. It's a big step. It's a bold step, uh, but it isn't uh, It isn't the mission. It's something that supports the mission. And frankly, I've seen churches get this a little bit messed up. And, and if so when they struggle, uh, instead of going back and saying, well, what is our mission? They go, they think like, oh my goodness, like, we're, this our church is falling apart because we can't get this campus at the door. And I'd be like, no, 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 right. no, that's not the problem. The, the, it is, we're just struggling with multi-site. We need to retool, figure out what we're doing different, but it's ultimately about supporting the bigger mission. More, the more locations you develop, the more important it is for you that the mission is strong and clear. And so you've got to find ways to reinforce consistently. Why is it that your church exists? What is it that God's calling your church to do? Uh, and how do we kind of permeate that throughout all of our uh, locations? We've got coming up later this month in multi-site months month here at Un Seminary, we've got a killer interview with Jenny Katrin where she dives deep into this particular issue. We really talk about how how our 
uh, multi-site churches reinforcing culture? How are they understanding why they exist and making that, you know, operationally important uh, in all of their locations? And so look forward to that uh, interview coming up here in a couple of weeks. And you, you truly can't talk enough about your vision and your core values enough. Like Absolutely. This is, a, this is an easy and, a, you know, it's... Um, this is an area that church leaders stumble, unfortunately. We get tired of talking about the mission, but our people do not, and it, it leaks. I know, you know, and, 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 you know, when you look at prevailing organizations, they are consistently coming back to, this is why we exist, this is why we exist, this is why we exist. Um, and you, you really can't overdo that. You've got to stay clear on that. And my problem, the concern that I think multi-site brings in is because there's a ton of work associated with it, there's a lot of time, effort, and energy uh, put sure. into it, you can, it could become fuzzy really quickly. So, uh, yeah, keep focused on the why, keep focused on the mission. Awesome. Well, Rich, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah, I would love to send people to uh, this website, multisitevideos.com. We're launching here in a few weeks, we're launching a new free three-part video series uh, on multi-site churches. So we've got these three different videos. Uh, the third video in the series is called Five Dirty Secrets of the Multi-Site Church Movement. And so it's, uh, we've got a couple other videos in this, but that's the third video in it. And uh, in that video, we deep, we, deep, we deep dive into some of these other kinds of issues. In fact, I try to take uh, you into a view of the underbelly of the multi-site movement uh, and give you a sense of like, hey, here's some stuff, which kind of resonates with this article. You might be thinking, hey, what are some mm-hmm. things I need to avoid? Uh, in that video, we give you some of, uh, you know, the kind of mistakes. There are some of the secrets that you don't hear other leaders talking about. So I'd love for you to go to multisitevideos.com, sign up. Uh, they're free, absolutely free. We love multisite. Again, we're, we're celebrating multisite all month, and this is a part of that. Uh, also, you can text just the word multisite videos to 44222. Uh, to, uh, so just multi-site videos to 44222, and that'll get you on that list uh, as well. So uh, thanks so much. Uh, I just love doing this with you, Vanessa. Thanks for being on the show today. Oh, thanks. And guys, it's free. Just do it. It's so worth it. Free is good. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. You can see the full article and our other podcasts at unseminary.com.